Let's be honest. Creatives want to be creative all the time. In some ways, we treat the lack of skills in other arenas as a badge of honor. But the truth of the matter is, creativity is only one quarter of the job. So let's figure out how to manage that other 75%. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity in business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. We've got a mocktail this time. It's sort of the other 75%, get it? It's called Mr. Howard. Mm-hmm. And this uses um, seed lip cocktail, which is a non-alcoholic elixir of sorts. Yes, it's got seed lip spice 94, some grapefruit juice, which is never a bad idea, lemon juice, sugar syrup, and a little star anise on top for garnish. It's very pretty. It's very pretty. And um, it, it really does feel like you're having a cocktail, which is, I guess, the point of some mocktails. But um, it's it really is the other 75%. Yeah. And, you know, it's got that citrus in it. It'll keep you healthy. Yes. Scurvy here. The the other 75% sometimes is good for you. Is that what you're trying to say? I think so. Here's the deal, though. So I feel like this is a somewhat straightforward episode. We'll probably take some twists and turns. Sometimes we do. But I would would break work into four categories. Okay. And, And the first one... I'm going to go over these four, then we'll then we'll dive in. The first one's sort of understanding what you're trying to solve, right? You've got okay, to know why yep. you're here and what you're doing. The second part is getting the details right. And then there's that part of making the machine function, like making mm-hmm. your day work. And then there's the creativity part. And so yep. that's that's how I look at the 25% that creativity is only 25% of the job, which I think is hugely disappointing to young young creatives. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, it's it's like uh if you were a painter, it's not just the act of creating the painting. You have to uh, purchase supplies and you have to um, think about and sketch and decide. And you also have to then create a machine that sells that art, whether that's, you know, art fairs or whatever it is. So really, if you're you going to, to be a your professional. Brushes. Yes, absolutely. You have to clean up your mess. You have to pay rent for your studio. So even if you're a painter... Creativity is only 25% of the job. Yeah. And it's funny because we have this conversation sometimes in our office about it. And I remember working through it as a young creative and not wanting to do the wraparound things. And and let's, let's be honest. I don't, I don't know that any of us are trained in many of the wraparound things. Like in your example of a painter, are they trained in marketing to be able to go and find a way to sell said painting? Right. Mm -hmm. So in some ways we do ourselves a disservice because we get trained in the craft, but not all those wraparound parts that make the craft function and or solve the problem. And so that's where I think it's good to kind of dive in and talk about what, what the rest, what the rest of the week looks like. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, you started with understanding what you're trying to solve and this, and this is true regardless of what your job is, you know, every job is boils down to solving a problem, I believe. And so it's the application of understanding the problem, understanding maybe the root cause of that problem, um, understanding the history of what hasn't worked, which is why it still persists. And then applying, um, applying some logic to figure out what you might try. 
Right. And especially in, in our industries and in industries similar to ours, it's very easy for creativity to go off the rails and, and go off into the ether and take a left turn and be super neat. But in the end of the day, is it solving the client's problem? Is it answering the questions or the charge that the creative brief put out? And so mm-hmm. that knowing what you're trying to solve and what your end goal is, is a really important part of the process. I it's would, the strategy. Yeah. I would say it's the most important part of the process and it's where you always start, right? Yeah. Because if you get it wrong, it doesn't matter what happens next. No, that's true. And it's it's the domino. It's the first domino. It is the first domino. And in a small, small organization, if you're a freelancer or something along those lines, you have to do that for yourself. In a larger mm-hmm. organization, you know, you might, there might be people to do that first part and then people to do that second part, et cetera, et cetera. But you still can't be the producer of creative output and not understand the strategy, even if you're not the one who has to come up with it. You have to make time to absorb what those goals are, right? Yeah. And I would say that even if, you know, any any listener who's like, but I'm just a fill in the blank job description um, and strategy is somebody else's job, not understanding the strategy or being involved doesn't absolve you of the, for the need to understand the strategy. Because then if you don't understand, then how are you going to then make a thing right. that solves the problem? Well, and if you don't... Or defend your creative decisions. Right. And I'll be really honest, there's there's a difference in output and a difference in engagement for someone who wants to understand the strategy and make sure that mm-hmm. you're on strategy, right? It just makes for... It makes for a better product. It makes for a more engaged process. It makes for, for a more cohesive team. So that, mm-hmm. that first step of understanding what you're trying to solve is critical no matter who you are in your organization. Yeah. So then what, what's the next step? Well, that would, that would be getting the details, right? And, and honestly, I'm skipping the creativity. We're going to talk about that part last, but I would say getting the details right. And that's project management details, schedules, data, file organization, not, not very creative stuff. In fact, you want that to be subcontractors, right? You want that stuff to be your programmatic, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's really important because that's how you keep efficiencies and that's how you keep your communication lines open. And that's how you make sure that your product is pristine and good and solid. I know. It's also how you prevent um, surprises for the client. It's how you uh, manage with the client. Um, it's how you efficiently get approvals through the client. Right. It's really important. Right. You know, for those of us who work in um, like InDesign or in the Adobe suite, right? InDesign is a great example. Illustrator is a great example. If you've ever opened someone else's file and seen mm. how they organize their things and been utterly appalled, you're like, oh my God, this is a mess. They're not using the most efficient systems or the way they do a process is a bit of a workaround instead of the correct way, quote unquote. Um, I've seen that, of course, in my industry, but I think that that happens in all kinds of industries. Sort of when, when you get under the hood, is it clean and organized when you open the closet? Are the shelves labeled well? Or is it just a hot mess? I I would like to argue <laughs> I would like to argue that creatives tend toward hot mess, but really ought to work on that 
organized closet muscle. Yeah, we have, um, we actually have a, an, an alias that when a project is started, um, a folder structure is created and that way, no matter who opens the project, and I'm not talking about in the Adobe, um, system I'm talking about on our Terra block on our shared server. Sure. So if you open a project, there are four folders and everything lives inside those four folders. And so if you are looking for, um, if you're looking for the deliverable, it is in the deliverable folder. If you're looking for the raw, it is in the camera folder. If you're looking for final graphics, hey, it's in the graphics folder. So there's never confusion. And um, and we ha- we have some naming conventions that we're pretty strict about as well. We have a similar folder structure, and I'm feeling pretty good about our naming conventions as well. But it's funny because, you know, here we are. Both of us excited about good file structures and folder organization. But <laughs> honest, we just got pretty geeky. I know, we? but it, honestly, it's what getting that stuff right is what allows the time for the creativity to not get frustrating, right? It allows for efficiency and it allows for shared understanding. And um, so, in your organization, in your job, whatever it may be, getting those details right actually saves you time. I had a conversation with a group of people where I volunteer. (laughs) And um, my favorite thing is file names that aren't descriptive. So it just says schedule, but I don't know what client it goes with or, or just um, we've talked about this before when someone sends you a resume and it just says resume, it doesn't use the person's name, right? Awful. So when you talk about file naming conventions for us, that means that, that we start with the the client code. So we always know we use dates or versions or whatever works for your organization. But when I run across folks who, who don't have a file naming convention, so it's like the wild west to go find a, a file. How do people live like that? How do you get anything done? I don't know. We do the same thing. It's, it's client underscore what it is underscore V or, you know, V number version one, version two yeah. or final. Yeah. And so, and if it's a proposal, it ends in prop. If it's a script, it ends in script. If it's a schedule, it ends in schedule. <laughs> so see, this is the getting the details right part that I would encourage all creatives, freelancers, small business owners to not ignore because it, it makes life easier. Yeah. Super, super, super. I would say it doesn't even apply to creatives. It should just apply to just being apply. professional. And then yeah. the the next one is that making the machine function. And this in some ways is, is the boss stuff. It applies on a individual level too, but the infrastructure you need to make your work happen, right? Has to be attended to. Yeah. And I think that, that there's a couple levels uh, to this. It's how do you manage yourself and manage your day? What kind of time management habits do you have? But then I also think it's how are you managing your business? What is your philosophy on how much time you spend on the different functions of your business? How often are you working on the business versus in the business? How often are you spending time uh, with your team, right? Developing them. So it's it's everything that makes your day, your week, your month, and your year work. It is, and it's it it's really. These are. This is the place where you can grow 
if you do it right. If you think mm-hmm. about how your machine functions and the pieces and parts you need to make something be effective, either for you, your staff, your clients, whomever. And this is a piece where you can do some forward thinking strategy about the business itself. Where do you want to be in five years? How many employees do you want? What budget line items do you want to change? Making that machine function is all of those things. And it's a really important part of the job. And then on an individual level, if you work in a team, um, that can translate into ensuring your software is up to date, ensuring that you're taking tutorials and learning the newest stuff that when an update comes through your software, you understand what it gives you that you learn new ways to communicate and practice those things. So there's lots of ways, both um, individually and organization wide that you can spend time to make your machine function and make it better. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we have an episode on, we've, we've done an episode on how our structure makes room for creativity to happen. Yeah. And I, and I encourage folks to, to check that episode out too. But, but what you're saying is accurate. It's how do we create a machine that allows creativity to happen? Yes. Wouldn't that be nice if we could just buy one at the store, but we have to all make our own, I think. Mm-hmm. And that leaves the, the, the last quarter. The thing we all think we're going to do when we graduate college, right, is the creativity part. And, mm-hmm. and in some ways, I don't. we don't need to talk about creativity because so much of our audience understands it and we talk about it in other episodes. But here I kind of want to flip and talk about this is the piece, the piece that all creatives want to spend time creating things and making something impressive and well thought out and impactful. And this is sometimes the piece that other kinds of organizations can forget about or leave out. So I think my message here is while it's only maybe a quarter of the job, it's a really important quarter of the job. Absolutely. I mean, how can any business survive ignoring that 25%? um, Even if creative isn't your product um, or your output, innovation has room at every table. Yes. And should be. Otherwise, you can't scale a business. You can't invent solutions to really humanity needs creativity (laughs) in, in all offices. So it doesn't matter what product or service you have. Creativity and innovation needs to play a role. Yeah. And it, it's a, it's a really healthy piece to use, you know, in our organizations because we have creative products. Um, it's, it's where the joy lives and where you feel really productive and where you, you know, you get a little bit of the adrenaline or dopamine or what, what have you is happening in your brain. It's a really good feeling when you get to be creative. Um, but it, I think in all organizations, the ability to say, what if and how about we do it this way? And is there a different way or let's make something new? That is invigorating and empowering in a way that I think all organizations should make sure that they make t- that make time for that 25%. Absolutely. So there it is. That's the, the, the formula that gets you through your week. Wait, we forgot um, stress and drama. I don't know where those go. <laughs> um, that... I, I think that is sometimes the byproduct of 
not getting the details right. I think sometimes that's the byproduct of truly not understanding what you're trying to solve and maybe having your machine not function so well. So it's not part of the formula. It is the greasy, oily byproduct of a formula that isn't working properly. I love that. That makes my week. Thank you. (laughs) Karen's very smart, you guys. (laughs) I just love this. This is why we started the podcast, right? Because we go through these problems and one of us says something really smart. The other one's like, wow, great. Thank you. (laughs) Well, if I can make your week, that makes my week. Um, (laughs) uh, So that's it, folks. Yeah. Take that into your your week. Yep. Karen, I really enjoyed this drink, Mr. Howard. It's a very funny name. I know. I wonder why it's named Mr. Howard, but apparently he likes citrus. It's pretty cool. Great drink. Everybody should try it. Check out our website. You can find the recipe as always. Thank you. Hey, Jen, what are we talking about next time? Well, let me ask you this. What's a one-legged stool? Um, a cane? A crutch? A pirate leg. <laughs> yeah, okay. But seriously, a reliable stool needs more than one leg. True. But a good stool and a good marketing strategy needs three. So that's what we're talking about next time. Join us. See you then.